People really need to take a strong stand. And it can only come with the understanding that this system is running a con game on them in terms of prisons. Welcome to Kite Line, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in Indiana's prison system and beyond. I'm Emma Johnson. And I'm Mia Beach, and we're your hosts for this program. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on Kite Line, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before we get started with this week's theme, we want to share some prison-related news. According to The Hill, the Bureau of Prisons wants to escalate the use of restraints on prisoners. The Bureau claims that attaching an inmate to a fixed object, such as a desk, would facilitate participation in education, treatment, recreation, or religious programs. Dr. Homer Venters of Physicians for Human Rights said the use of restraint desks involved chaining inmates' hands to the top of the desk while their ankles are cuffed to an iron bar at the bottom. Venters pointed out that sitting in a stationary position for long periods of time can cause blood clots that can move to the lungs and cause death. He also said restraining inmates in such a way could impede any progress achieved through mental health services. He noted, quote, Whatever the type of treatment that's being delivered, the first prerequisite is to engage with the patient, and patients cannot engage in a meaningful way when they are chained up like an animal, unquote. Advocates for political prisoner Kalfani Malik Khaldun are calling for increased support as he is attempting to reopen his case in hopes of regaining his freedom. Kalfani was originally sentenced to 25 years in prison, but was later convicted of a crime that he did not commit, and as a result, has been forced to live in solitary confinement for over 20 years. Recently, a member of the jury that convicted him admitted to feeling pressured by the court to find him guilty based on racial bias. In light of this new information, he is raising funds to hire a new lawyer to overturn the case. If you are interested in donating or offering other support, you can write to him online through JPay or address letters to Leonard McQuay, number 874304, Wabash Valley Correctional Facility, P.O. Box 1111, Carlisle, Indiana, 47838. According to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, inmates at the medium security institution known as the Workhouse have been suffering from extreme temperature fluctuations inside of the building. Alongside accusations about unsanitary living conditions and abuse by guards, many prisoners have complained that the lack of air conditioning units made their living quarters unbearably hot. In response to protests and public pressure, the Workhouse installed five new air conditioning units on July 24th. However, now inmates say the new units are cooling the building down to an uncomfortably low temperature, leading to at least one vent being damaged in an attempt to stop the flow of cold air. The workhouse holds over 750 inmates, many of whom are forced to stay behind bars while they await trial because they are too poor to make bail. For more about the struggles around the workhouse, you can hear last week's episode of Kite Line up on our website or via the podcast. This week, we share a conversation with Ramona Africa, who talks about the MOVE 9 case, the 1985 bombing of the MOVE house, and the relationship between this history and contemporary struggles against prisons and police violence. I'm Ramona Africa, Minister of Communication for the MOVE organization, sole adult survivor of the May 1985 government bombing of MOVE. I am a former political prisoner as a result of surviving that massacre. 
I'm also a representative of the International Concerned Family and Friends of Mumia Abu-Jamal. But most importantly, I'm a revolutionary, a revolutionary disciple of John Africa. Right now, the focal point of MOVE is bringing our family home. They are known as the MOVE 9. They were arrested in August of 1978 when the regime of Frank L. Rizzo, mayor of Philadelphia at the time, had his cops attack MOVE with the intent of wiping MOVE out. That didn't happen, but in their fervor to kill MOVE, they ended up killing one of their own brother cops. And of course, they would never, ever admit such a thing, even though the evidence shows it clearly. They arrested my family, charged them with the murder of this one cop with one bullet from one gun. They convicted nine of my family members of murder, not conspiracy, murder and sentenced them each to 30 to 100 years in prison. The judge who presided over that trial without a jury, it was a bench trial, went on a radio talk show a day or two after sentencing my family. And when asked a direct question about who killed this cop, the judge said very clearly, I haven't the faintest idea. Now, he didn't say, I don't know which one, but as far as I'm concerned, they're all guilty. Or He didn't say that. And this is an educated man. He knows the English language, knows how to say exactly what he means and what he wants to say. He said he didn't have the faintest idea. Yet, 39 years later, my family sits in prison for a crime they did not commit. The message that John Africa Moose founder opened our eyes to is the fact that Move does not condone crime, but this system that we live under does. They are the real criminals. There is nothing that any unofficial person has done, has been accused of, that even comes close to the crimes these officials have committed. On August 8th of 78, cops attacked my family, came to our home. We didn't go to theirs. We didn't go to Mayor Rizzo's house. They came to our home to kill. One cop was killed. Nine of my family members went to jail for 30 to 100 years each. Fast forward to May 13th of 1985, when they drop a bomb on me and my family, murder 11 of my family members, five of them children. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody gets charged with anything. Their bomb ignited a fire the fire department, firefighters, were there from the beginning. They have four deluge hoses, 40,000 pounds of water pressure, 10,000 from each hose, when there was no fire. After they dropped the bomb and the bomb ignited a fire and they admit that they knew they were advised from the beginning, 
that the bomb had ignited a fire. They made a conscious decision not to put any water on the fire, not to do anything to put the fire out. Not only that, when we realized our home was on fire and attempted to get out, was hollering that we were coming out, we were bringing the children out. The children were hollering, we're coming out, they're bringing us out. The instant we were visible coming out the door, the cops opened fire on us with a barrage of police gunfire. Now, that's not murder, you know? But nobody goes to jail but me. They charged me with everything that they did, arson, possession of explosives, weapons charges, risking and causing a catastrophe, riot, conspiracy, everything that they did. Not a one of them was charged with anything. So you tell me that those running this system have a problem with murder? that they are opposed to murder, that they believe anybody deemed to have murdered should be punished, should be imprisoned, maybe executed. Well, how come it didn't apply to them? Because they don't really believe that. It just depends on who it is that they want to charge with murder. So I'm really saying all that to say, I don't care what any inmate is in prison for. It doesn't come close to what these officials, those that have them in prison, have done a hundred times over. We should accept that? No. Nobody should accept that. I mean, the example that I just gave you with MOVE, with my family, any inmate can use on any level of court being prosecuted in court to show how inconsistent and hypocritical this system is and that it has no right to accuse anybody or punish anybody for crimes that they commit a hundred times over. I mean, come on, you're going to charge somebody with robbery, theft, while sitting on a whole stolen country and refusing to do anything about it but keep the crime going, make it worse? Where do you get off calling somebody else a criminal? Like I said, MOVE does not condone crime on any level, but those running this system do. And that's what people outside, the family and friends, that have loved ones in jail, and most certainly inmates ought to really understand and espouse, put it out there, confront these officials for their wrongdoing. That's what MOVE does. And I know people can look at MOVE and say, well, yeah, but your family is in jail for 30 to 100 years, and they dropped a bomb on you, you know, murdered your family. Yeah, but they do that every day mm -hmm. to people who are not confronting them about anything. And you can take it across the country. Uh, Baltimore with Freddie Gray, New York with Eric Garner, 
New York with Amadou Diallo, Florida, you name it. I mean, you got a woman in Florida, Melissa Alexander, who didn't even shoot her abusive mate, shot in the air, and they put her in jail. You know, cops shoot people 40 times, 41 times, like they did Amadou Diallo, and no problem. You know, how can people just accept that? People ought mm -hmm. to be outraged and expressing that outrage, you know? They do that because their goal is to keep this system going, you know, as it is to maintain their positions, et cetera. And they can't have move waking people up if they want to keep this thing going. They see, unlike unofficial people out here, officials that are running this system and for really goes past politicians and elected officials and all that. It goes to their bosses, the industrialists, the people with the money, the handful of super rich, influential people that not only run this country, but run the world, you know? It's them, you know? And they're not trying to see the quote, empire that they built and mm -hmm. thrive, think they thrive off because they don't. They're, they're not going to see that go down the tubes. We do have family members that we are in contact with. Our family members, I mean, it's a two-way street. They are always happy to see us and hear about what we're doing out here. You know, that keeps them motivated and up. And they tell us what they're doing in prison because when this government put them in prison for 30 to 100 years, and we lost two family members in prison, they were killed in prison, not by inmates, but the prisons did something to them because they just suddenly, you know, got sick and died. Doesn't happen like that. Anyway, they tell us about the people that they talk to in prison, you know, other inmates, et cetera, um, women who may not even be from Pennsylvania, but traveling through Pennsylvania and ended up getting arrested, locked up, and their parents, when they were told that by these girls that they were in jail with move women, you know, move people, their parents was like, oh my God, stay away from them, don't go near them. And the girls got to know move, you know, and started telling their parents and family members about move. And that's our work, you know? The system thought they could lock us up in jail behind bars and that would be the end. We wouldn't have any influence anywhere. But who is in prison but people? You know, they haven't deterred our work 
in waking people up, teaching people, setting an example for people, and to really show that they're not in control at all. Our brother Carlos Africa was in jail for a crime he didn't commit back in the 70s when he met MOVE people and came to MOVE headquarters when he got out and have been with MOVE ever since. Yeah, a supporter named Larry Kareem Howard met MOVE men during their pretrial hearings for the August 8, 78 attack on MOVE. Met that he was brought back to Philadelphia. Kareem is from Philadelphia. He was in jail uh, in Pittsburgh, I think, and got a new trial, got awarded a new trial, which meant he had to come back to Philadelphia. And he says the thing he was happiest about is that he would finally get to meet MOVE people. And um, he did. He met my MOVE brothers, and he's been with us ever since. Thirty-two years since the bombing, all of a sudden, there are like four different film companies that are now interested in doing movies. I mean, legitimate Hollywood movies about movies. Now, we're not desperate for money or attention, so they can't get us that way. We demand that they tell the truth about MOVE. You want to do a movie? Okay. But tell the truth. We're not going to have any more major lies and distortions about MOVE that only tend to justify what this system have done, even though there is no justification. But 32 years later, now these people want to make movies about MOVE and have come to us. You know, not just wanting to make a movie and we don't have to talk to move, this is public information, you know. They've come to us. Secondly, last year, early last year, these 10 to 12 year old students, about eight of them, they go to an alternative school in Philadelphia called the Jubilee School. They were doing a project, an essay project, on police brutality. Their teacher, Karen Falcon, who is the founder of the Jubilee School, she teaches a history class in the Jubilee School. She told them if they were going to do their essays on police brutality, that they needed to research MOVE and what happened to MOVE as the most outstanding example of police brutality right there in Philadelphia. They did their essays, handed them in. When May came around last year, these about eight students, that's all, small group, eight students, eight, uh, 10 to 12 year olds, they wanted to go to Osage Avenue where the bombing occurred. So she took them. And they put flowers at 6221. They walked, you know, up and down the street. And they were astounded 
that there was no marker or indication, nothing about what happened there. Did they do like, I have to say, 100% of adults who realized that there was no marker or anything there to note what happened and felt like it was a, a disgrace that there should be something, but just say it in words, pay lip service to it, and then go about their business? No. These students, they started meeting with officials. They drafted a petition to get a historical marker put there, and they would not back up. They would not stop until they finally got the approval for a marker from the Pennsylvania Historical and Museum Commission, it's called. They were, I mean, they were happy. They were ecstatic. And we were proud of them. We are like, a handful of kids, <laughs> you know, did in, in a year what adults didn't do in 32 years. This commission, historical commission, told them that they didn't have funds anymore to fund the markers. They could approve them, but they used to pay for them, but they didn't have the funding for it now. Did that deter these students? Nope. They were undaunted. They were told it would uh, be like $1,000 to get the marker. They raised $1,000. They did it. So they wrote up what they wanted on this marker. You've seen the markers, I'm sure. They're like metal with a square on top, usually blue with gold writing on it. Well, these students wrote up what they wanted on the marker and submitted it to this historical commission. And the commission was like, well, that's good, but it's a little too long. It can only be 40 words. And um, how about this? They wrote up something and sent it to the students. These students, I'm telling you, they read it and they were like, no, that's not what we want to say. That's not what it should say. So they went toe to toe with this commission like four or five times they went back and forth until they got and were satisfied with what they wanted on that marker. There's a, a June 24th dedication of this marker going up. Students, I mean, they weren't even born 32 years ago, but they saw something, saw what should be, and made it happen. Made it happen. I think the youth of MOVE will carry on the principles that MOVE lives by, that John Africa put in us. They are able to interact with other young people. We've had a rap group of young MOVE people called the Seeds of Wisdom. This was like in the 90s, and they went all over during their raps, political raps, incorporating move belief in these raps, and people love them. They just got older, got married, 
have children, families, so they couldn't just be out there, you know, rapping like that. But now their children rap. Their children do political rap. So we're proud of them. They, you know, they're doing good. People really need to take a strong stand. And it can only come with the understanding that this system is running a con game on them in terms of prisons. First of all, just the name of a lot of them, correctional facilities. What are they correcting? Nothing. They don't correct your diet. They don't correct your physical strength. They don't correct your emotions that might drive you to fight and, and end up in jail, allegedly, for assault or whatever. What is it that they correct? Absolutely nothing. So, the name itself. Then, okay, they say you're wrong, you committed a crime, you, you need to be rehabilitated, corrected. How is allowing you nothing but toxic water, how is that going to rehabilitate you? What does that have to do with treating you right, doing right by you, showing you an example of righteousness? What does, you know, a goon squad of guards coming in your cell, beating you half to death, what does that have to do with correcting you, showing you a righteous example? There is nothing right or acceptable about prison, nothing. Now, I'm not saying tomorrow open up the prison gates and just let everybody out, but what I am saying is that if you don't have the solution to people's problems to correct them, then leave them alone. If you don't have what's right for them, you don't have the solution for them, then don't mess with them. Leave them alone. What else can you do but make their situation worse? On the other hand, John Africa have proven that he has the solution to people's problems, you know. He took people that were whores on the street. He took men that were nothing but gangsters, murderers. I mean, some move men were into a lot of crazy stuff. When they came into move, they weren't that person anymore. They would watch the kids while their wives maybe washed cars or did other move activities. They washed clothes, you know, men, move men, you know. Um, very protective of the family. I mean, John Africa set the example, proved that he has the solution for people. This system have never sued that it has solution. All they've ever done is made things worse.
for all of life, not just for people, but all of life. If deers come on somebody's property and eat up their corn or whatever, their solution is kill the deers. Have a hunting season, kill the deers, you know? Where's the solution in that? The deer is punishment for eating is death, you know? Come on, it's insane. So that's what I would leave people with in terms of prison. It should not be accepted on any level. This has been KiteLine. Anyone affected by the prison system in any form is welcome to write us via our P.O. Box. KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. KiteLine wants your feedback. You can reach us via email at kitelineradio at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Are you or someone you care about affected by the prison system? You can call us to record a message to be played on the air at 812-269-2512 or you can use this number to record a message to a loved one behind bars. You can hear previous episodes of our show or get more information on the prisoners or stories covered on KiteLine at our website, kitelineradio.noblogs.org. You can also find our podcast on iTunes. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. We are not responsible for all views expressed on the program. WFHB, its contributors, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the views expressed on the show. This has been KiteLine. Join us every Friday at 5.30 p.m. for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our communities. Thank you for listening.